jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out Do you have your your scoop hat, Stacey? <laughs> Always. You never know <laughs> when a scoop is going to present itself. <laughs> just keep that hook right there so you can just pull it off at any time. <laughs> so get that Moomoo ready. Uh, this is coming in from uh, straight from RKO. Uh, <laughs> Joe Bob Briggs went on the Twitter recently, Stacey. And you didn't see this, so I'm excited to share this with you for your first time. I have no idea what you're going to talk about. I think everybody's first time is, like, special, you know, and sacred. Please be gentle and kind. (laughs) I'm going to be as gentle and kind as I can be while reading this. Uh, So, at The Real Joe Bob, just, just, you know, I think the day before Thanksgiving, the... uh, sacred precious holiday in which i say is it time to watch blood rage yet (laughs) joe bob tweeted and said what i love about director okay this i should paraphrase i should paraphrase that he did he sent this tweet while also sharing a link to a bloody disgusting article um that was interviewing sophia to call about the new black christmas uh the like that one. <laughs> oh, that one. Okay. I was trying to remember the sl- the tagline that's like, oh, it says sleigh bells, I think. Oh, oh, the- oh, bitch or whatever. Oh, oh, oh bitch. That movie. <laughs> so, um, so Sophia Takal is talking about, you know, making this like very feminist and all this. Um, which, I mean, just from the girl power feelings of the trailer, I have questions and concerns, but I think it's cool she's making a movie, I guess. So Joe Bob Riggs says, he shared this article and he says, what I love about directors from the 70s and 80s is that they had no political axe to grind, no message, no social justification for horror. It was just, get a load of this great story. I don't want to be told how to watch a movie. At Shudder, at Kinky Horror. <laughs> what? <laughs> Stacy, did you know that... Did you know that horror movies back in the day when horror movies were great again, um, <laughs> they didn't actually have any message or political reason. No, there them. were no, no, no politics at all. Yeah. Like Night of the Living Dead was just like had no meaning whatsoever. <laughs> Step for Mice. I'm like shocked to hear. I, I'm <laughs> actually shocked he would say something so ignorant, let's say. Because, I mean, as a lifelong film critic and historian, maybe. And, like, you know, his writing under his real name, John Bloom, is, like, political. Like, he's not a dum-dum. Well, maybe he drank some dum-dum juice. That could be. What in the... Why Why would he say that? Because he's having a... He's having that, uh, okay, boomer, <laughs> knee, knee-jerk reaction... To a young woman, I'm assuming she's young, I don't know, saying, oh, I'm going to put feminist stuff in my horror movie. 
I mean, that's just a ridiculous thing for him to say. I mean, granted, we're dealing with, we're dealing with, like, mm, she also said, like, you know, that <laughs> she compared the new Black Christmas to Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria. <laughs> yeah, you did tell me that, which is just... <laughs> Jingle I don't know, way, bitch. <laughs> She's just trying to get us to go see it. She's trying. This to get is us to the see same it. ploy that the Halloween people used with Kyle Richards. They clearly listen to this show and they say, "What is going to get us, Stacy and Anthony, in the audience? All they care about is Suspiria. We'll say it's like that." Then they'll just go. Blumhouse is just try. They are just trying trying so hard. Yeah. They are lighting every beacon in their lighthouse. Just trying to get us. I just. That's. (laughs) That's funny. It's funny. Um, So, I mean, granted, they both have said imperfect things. Oh, sure. (laughs) But just this like this total knee jerk reaction and saying that they had no political axe to grind, no message, no social justification, especially when you're talking about films from the 70s. Right. Every horror movie from the 70s was directly about social issues. I mean... Black Christmas itself, the original Black Christmas, has a fucking abortion storyline in it yeah yeah (laughs) you can pretend that they're oh no look at what those fucking millennial feminists are doing this time to this perfect movie that had no political content whatsoever (laughs) yeah this woman wants an abortion and wants to live her own life and not get married that's not political (laughs) but i i mean i do realize that joe bob briggs the you know the personality. I realize he trucks in boob counts and, yeah, I don't know, you know, decapitated head counts and things like that. But he's not a dum-dum. He should not say a dum-dum thing like that. So it's like, is it a performance? Is he Right. Was a... he being, was he being sarcastic? Is he playing a character? <sighs> That's really, it's really disappointing that he would put that out there because a lot of his fanboys tend to actually think along those lines and be yeah yeah of that mindset and i mean maybe that's why they're his fanboys i don't know yeah yeah but i don't i hate to see him perpetuate that stupid erroneous opinion yeah because it, it just has no basis in reality whatsoever and no, it actually no. was really a delightful watching horror twitter kind of clap back at him and be like oh so what about every movie ever made right Thank so God. that was nice but it is it's a little disappointing especially i mean i've heard he's i i have been we got some messages on the queer horror uh social medias about how he was like uh saying some transphobic stuff and i don't i didn't I wasn't familiar with what he was saying in those instances, mm. but I mean, I liked him when I was a kid and then I saw this sure. and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> clearly Elvira really needs to come back because we need a way better horror host handling yeah, these kinds no of things. kidding. Oh, that's so disappointing. Yeah. But who doesn't have, I think most horror fans of a certain age have extremely fond memories of Monster Vision and all that. Yeah, that's where I mean that's that's where I first saw Return of the Living Dead Part Two, <laughs> and it's where you get uh, if you're the kind of horror fan who cares about the nerd shit. It's like where you get a lot of education about yeah, like, and you how to... the films were made. You learn how to kind of critically view films. 
yeah, you begin to dive into the world around the film instead of just like, oh, look, blood and tits. Right. Like, it, it, it be- begins to open up that idea of critical theory. You're absolutely right. Like, I went from watching Joe Bob to then, you know, jumping on AOL and then reading all these websites and then, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it, it spreads like a virus. And then you have a horror podcast. Ay, ay, ay. You know, I watched uh, The Thing this week. Oh, how was I've, I've been, been wanting to rewatch that. I had been wanting to rewatch it for quite a while. And man, alive, what a movie that is. Yeah. How was Adrian as the chess computer? The best part, obviously. God, yeah. What a movie. Obviously. It's a big gay panic movie, obviously. So, okay, the last convention I was at, (laughs) the last convention I was at, several fags were saying The Thing is, like, the gayest movie. And I was like, I disagree with you. Yeah, I don't think the movie's gay, but it could, I mean, I was just saying that facetiously, but after it was over, I was like, you could read this as a big gay panic movie. I mean, if that's the thing is some of these, it's like, it's a stretch, but I, that's the kind of stretch I really love where you're like, you know, the Amityville horror is really an anti-capitalist, uh, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera. It's like making any shitty theory bend to it. But, uh, you know, anybody could be gay. Who's gay? Anybody are you going to catch gay? it? Are you going to catch it from somebody? Oh, yeah. No, they look just like us, but they could be gay. They, that blood test scene. The blood test scene. Uh, it's all, that's all about AIDS. Tested, is that, that my blood always jumps out of the little petri dish. <laughs> that's why you can't donate. It doesn't stay in the bag. Yeah, that's why they won't let us <laughs> give blood. Because <laughs> it always flies out and does a wacky dance. The tube just pops out of your <laughs> arm. There's blood all over the place. It's a mess. It's unsanitary. Next thing, my chest opens up. There's teeth in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a whole so, mess. And that's why so. I never got my cookie and my orange juice. That's right. That's right. But it's it. a... Oh, God, it's such a good movie. Oh, it's perfect. It wastes no time. It gets right into the action. It's still... The effects are still so incredible. Oh, so good. So scary. So scary. Kurt Russell is a hunk for the ages in that movie, even with that stupid hat. (laughs) I think... I think... I mean, all-time babe. Like, him and that, and him and Escape from New York. Like, Mm all-time babe. Oh, my God. If I were a dude... I would... Like, why don't all dudes dress like Snake Plissken? This is Man. Come on. Man, Kurt Russell. Even with the eye patch. Oh, yeah. And you got to have the big beard. You got to. The hair. You got to. What a hunk. I love that movie. So there you go. Everybody's perfect. Wilford Brimley. Come on. I love Wilford Brimley. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. Diabetes. The Thing. Cocoon. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're a big cocoon stan. I'm a huge cocoon. I have my poster signed with from all the cast from the conventions. <laughs> cocoon con. Cocoon con. <laughs> it was a very incredibly specific weekend in Florida. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's been a week. It has. It's been a week. Uh, we are we are winding down Satan month. Yeah, it's, today's today's the end of it. 
folks. It's the end of Satan month. It's the beginning of December, and uh, I can't believe we are mere, we are mere, like, week plus away from the Gaylords live show. Man, I won't believe it until I'm there. I know. Until I'm on stage, I'll be like, well, what's going on here? Like, that's probably going to be when the giant Portland earthquake hits. Yeah. (laughs) Like. (laughs) As soon as we walk out. Yeah, God's going to be like, this cannot pass. (laughs) (laughs) Pat Robertson will be like, I told you. Yeah. Taste it, not 11. (laughs) Yeah, it's coming up. And that, but here's the thing, listeners. This episode you're listening to right now will be our last episode for 2019. Yep. Yep. We've got the live show, holiday times. So we are, huh? We got like two back-to-back holidays, like Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. I think both on Wednesdays. Is Christmas on a Wednesday? I'm going to sound real dumb if it's not, but I think it is. Something like that. It's one of those days of the week. I don't know. Who cares? Time has no meaning anymore. No. Uh, but we're taking the rest of December off and probably like the first week of January. Because let's be the... real. New Year's. No one's listening to us. No, no one's listening. You're not putting anything near your ears except a, a compress. No, you've got those glasses on that say 2020. Yep, you're regretting all of your choices the night before. Regretting all of your choices? You're going to make promises for the new year? Not going to keep them. Absolutely not. Uh, maybe you'll have some Jubilee roll from Friendly's. That's real good. What's a Jubilee roll? It's like an ice cream log that they put <laughs> 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 at the holidays. Oh, an ice cream log. Yeah, so you have a slice. Mm. It's the, that is the reason for the season, is the Jubilee roll from Friendly's. Oh, oh that sounds amazing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, holiday stuff, whatever. We'll be back early January. We'll talk about it on the social medias and all that. Uh, But you're going to have to spend your holidays without us or listening to reruns. That is your prerogative. Go back and listen to some of your favorites. Listen to my favorites. Figure out what they are. (laughs) What a fun game. (laughs) Yeah, guess Anthony's favorites. (laughs) I wonder if Anthony likes this episode. <laughs> That's how I raise my kids is I, whenever I, I can't get a sitter, I just put them in a closet and I tell them, okay, listen to all these episodes of Gaylords, guess mommy's favorite, and then I lock the door and leave. Wow. Yeah. It's bold of you to admit that on the air. That I bear children and yeah. that I raise them. <laughs> that you're a breeder. <laughs> <laughs> listen, if it's good enough for Neil Patrick Harris... That, well, there you go. I got a very model of a gay man. What? When I was sick, when I was really sick, I got like convinced. I started screaming at Maddie and Jason and my delusions on the couch about how Neil Patrick Harris isn't gay and he's just pretending to be gay. Mm. I'm convinced there's something to this fact. Anyway, January is coming. January is coming. It'll uh, be here before you know it. It's going to be here before you know it. It's going to be, don't miss us. We're going to be having a blast without you. <laughs> And uh, we'll be back with that live episode. We'll be back with um, a couple of other great new things. And we'll be launching the all-new Gaylords of Darkness website. Yes, finally. It's been in the works forever, but you are listening to a couple of computer nincompoops 
Like, all we know how to do is 1996 HTML. Pretty much. If it's not on Blogger, I don't know how to do it. Yeah, uh, but that's about it. So we're going to have a brand new website, and it is going to have a store in it, which is where you will be able to buy the Suspiria zine. Yes. It will be there in January. It will be available for purchase then. We said November 11th. We lied. We lied. (laughs) Because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and also, like, having a way to sell it is nice as well yeah we didn't want to do some like back alley well i wanted to yeah i wanted to just show up in a trench coat with a bunch like and open it up yeah there's just zines hanging maybe i'm nude maybe i'm not but either way (laughs) there's just pockets on the on the coat on the inside full of the zine so many zines but that involves a lot of travel to get to everybody yeah and then you get all the paper cuts especially on that nude body (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Yeah, all those zines constantly rubbing up against you. Ooh. Mm. I didn't even think of that. We will have pre-orders available for special editions of the zine. Ew! For used copies. Yeah, the used copies. (laughs) As is. That's that's disgusting. Anyway, yeah, so you'll be able to buy the zine and more things, but we're not talking about those Yeah, this is... Oh, (laughs) <laughs> we're not talking about those things. Do we want to give away the surprises? No. No, we? but no. like the Suspiria bumper sticker we'll have on there too. Oh, that's true. Uh, that's true. People know that we had that in the works, but we do have other surprises in the works that will be available on the website in January. Um, you know, yeah. we like surprises here at Gay Lords, so. Yeah, including the Time Life Collection of Gaylords of Darkness. But no, I'm just kidding. But imagine if Our it released on like, album. Yeah, like 25 CDs. <laughs> I would kind of love that, actually. Each, Time Life presents Gaylords of Darkness. Each song is uh, narrated with an introduction by Deborah Hill. <laughs> oh my God, so and Delilah. Good. P.S. Delilah. I don't. I don't. When I mentioned Delilah, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Time has no meaning. But so many people came out of the woodwork and were like, "Yeah, I know Delilah. I love Delilah. I listened." So, yeah, that made me very happy. Thank you, people. Yeah, it made me feel like I was drinking Joe Bob's Dum Dum Juice. Yeah, because you in the probably episode, felt like a you, you probably felt like a rube. That was like your <laughs> one reference I never got in the history right. of this podcast. <laughs> And then you say, I know one person is going to get this reference. And then right. and then what is the comments? It's all everyone saying, oh, Delilah this and Delilah that. <laughs> Dulcet tones this. She's a phenomenon. What are you gonna I say? just Now I feel cheated that I have never been you exposed have been to cheated. Delilah. Yeah. Expose yourself to Delilah. Expose yourself to Delilah, man. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Please don't. She could still be alive. She's still alive. Yes. Oh, she's not a <laughs> corpse. Somewhere. What is? Not that I know of. She could wow. be. She could be a lich. She could be a talking skeleton. <laughs> she she's like, could be the lich. All right, just this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's all the upfronts. That's a lot of upfronts. It's a lot of upfront business. So that's all gonna happen. Such will, so-and-so will come to pass. Yeah, so if, if a Gaylord's website is your Christmas wish, 
I can tell you right now, it'll come true. In January. In January. <laughs> After Christmas. <laughs> oh, I thought you just made the wishes on Christmas. That's not oh. how they... Why would they work like that? That's the stupidest thing I've ever said. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've said a lot of stupid things. You know, it was when Stacy conflated the actual timelines of Christmas and Christmas wishes. That was the stupidest thing she ever Man, said. Man, who's the dum-dum now? I'm sorry, Joe Bob. We're all drinking. Yeah, Joe Bob, this is our formal apology. We've all yeah. been drinking the dum-dum juice, and it's delicious, so... Well, anyway, I guess we have a movie to talk about. We do, because we are finishing Satan Month with a satanic blast. Delight. A true-on fucking gym. A satanic gym. I watched it last night, and I wasn't sure if it would hold up. It holds up. I had these feelings every scene. (laughs) <laughs> like almost every scene in this movie, I was like, "Oh, is this when it's not going to work?" And despite yeah. d- this is actually one of my notes is like, despite everything about this movie, it does everything, almost everything that I critique from movies of this era. Yes. And yet, it is so fun. Yeah, it still really works. It somehow. really fucking works, despite everything about it (laughs) yeah (laughs) and if you don't know what we're talking about we're talking about the convent uh 2000 is it 2000 or 2001 i had trouble figuring out 2000 yeah yeah we're going all the way back to our favorite era of horror films yeah no kidding we got a great big convent rocking through the night (laughs) convoy Why hasn't Weird Al done a song about this movie to the tune of Conflict? I'm surprised he didn't do it for the after credits sequence. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, now maybe that's the stupidest thing. Boy, the bar keeps getting lower and lower. It's the end of the year. It's the end of the year. We are so close to a vacation, Stacey. (laughs) It's true. I just gotta get through this hour, and yet I can't seem to do it. <laughs> so this movie, I love this movie. Uh, it's so fucking funny. It is so, and I was wondering how you would feel about this film. I mean, I knew you loved it, but I was wondering if present day Stacy would also enjoy it. And especially thinking about your your forays into the horror comedy world. Right. And your outlook on horror comedy, because this is a really funny movie. This is one of the very few horror comedies that I just absolutely love. It's silly. It's really silly at times. Um, But it's also very dark at times. And I like how... Oh, this sounds so stupid. But I like it's got a lot of random little moments that I think are... That just tickle me. That yes. just really tickled me. I have so. to say, having paid more attention to the credits this time than I did before, like, I kind of love this movie more than ever. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> real good. Yeah. I have a yeah. lot of admiration for it. All its weird eccentricities, all the, all the, just the, the hallmarks of DIY filmmaking that went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really comes across as like, it's one of those where it just comes across like a group of friends having a great time making a movie. If, whether yes. they were or not, like it feels like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love it because who does not love a satanic nunnery or convent? Right. 
Satanic yeah, nuns? Yeah, I mean... Satanic nuns, there you go. You got me. Like, I'm already signed up at that. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you add in Adrian Barbeau into the equation. Oh, my God. I mean, maybe you listeners have never heard us talk about Adrian Barbeau on this show before. We hardly ever mention her. We've never mentioned Adrian Barbeau. Not even in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, man... She's so perfect in this. I mean, she's always perfect, but she's extra perfect in this. She is like an extra 125% Barbolicious in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you've never seen it, I feel like a lot of people have seen it. But if you haven't, it's streaming on Prime right now, I guess. And it's available for rental. Um, oh, it really is streaming. check it out. Yeah. Please watch it. It's if you haven't a lo- I know I know a lot of people have seen it especially from uh people that have been following horror for a while because I mean this kind of took indie horror by storm when it came out. Um but I think it has gone a little silent cuz as I've been I you know in the, at least in the film programming world here I've been talking it up and talking up wanting to do a screening of it and everyone's like, "Oh, what's that one? Oh, it has Adrian Barbeau." Yeah. Which shocks me because this is one of her best roles. <laughs> yeah, I think it kind of hit its peak of popularity like five or six years after it came out. Yes, yeah. And then it sort yeah. of vanished. And it, it still is very much, It's. It, I mean, it, it's very much a product of its time. It's very 2001 or yeah. 2000. Yeah. Uh, and yet it all works in its favor somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How do we set up this movie? Well, you got a great big convent rocking through the night. <laughs> <laughs> you got a great big convent. Ain't she a beautiful sight? Convent. <laughs> That's the whole movie. That's all anyone needs to know. Yeah, and then Adrian Barbeau shows up. And then Adrian Barbeau shows up. Um, no, it's a. Uh, it starts in the beginning of the film. Starts. It's 1960. Uh, you don't own me starts playing and you're like is this the first wives club no this is the convent <laughs> and i'm instantly grabbed yeah instantly grabbed uh christine charges into the convent slash boarding school uh with a big can of gasoline and a shotgun and, her and a baseball sunglasses bat. in her sunglasses um she starts uh, she beats on some nuns with a baseball bat. She starts blowing them away with the shotgun uh, and the priest, and she dumps all the gasoline and then flicks her cigarette on the gasoline, blows the place up. God, it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we jump to 40 years later, a.k.a. the present day, a.k.a. 2000. And a bunch of kids are going to go in there and spray paint inside the long-abandoned convent um for some fraternity bullshit yeah something to do with something with something with college (laughs) unbeknownst to them um there are actually devil worshipers also inside who are hilarious (laughs) who are hilarious and they're gonna do some kind of ritual for whatever reason they do the ritual and it resurrects um all the demonic forces that were possessing the nuns yes uh, Clarissa, our final girl slash heroine, um, gets out after all of her friends are trying. I'm really doing a light plot synopsis. Yeah, I'm here for it. But I think that's fine. Um, you know, because once the demons come out, they start biting people. 
Um, they bite you or scratch you or whatever. This Atari Teenage Riot style music starts playing. Everyone starts shaking frenetically. Everyone starts shaking and they turn day glow and it's like the possession takes place really quickly. So Clarissa gets out, goes and decides that Christine, who's become like an urban legend weirdo in the neighborhood, is the only one who can help her. She goes and gets Christine. They go back to the convent and they're going to clean up the mess. And that's kind of like the the gist of it without going into detail which we'll probably do. Yeah. That's the that's the 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 cupcakey center and then there's just a whole world of delicious frosting all all around this incredible confectionery treat of a film. <laughs> yes. That is the sort of the the big trailer on the back. But yes. you've got 18 wheels. Of pleasure underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you do. You do. And so many surprises along the way. You've got, I mean, it's like you get get a Night of the Demons vibe right off the bat. Yes. Like you get Angela, like in this you have Mo. Who they, all the, all the cool kids call her Morticia, but her name is actually short for Monica. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone thinks she's a lesbian. Uh or as they say, weird goth chick. I heard she's a dyke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. You get Mo, she's showing up to meet with Clarissa, who was like, they used to be um <laughs> they used to be Ramon groupies back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, how old are these characters? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of them slept with Joey Ramone. Yeah, Clarissa like, okay. had a, our final girl, the lead character, had a one night stand with Joey Ramone. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's just in her backstory. Um, you get to meet you get to meet characters like Bill Mosley and Coolio. Oh my god! <laughs> As the cops in the movie, Coolio, Coolio complete with his like Amish paradise hair, like it's... Yeah. <laughs> bring it back to Weird Al. So good. Um, you get Kelly Mantle from RuPaul's Drag Race is one of the key villains in the film. <laughs> yes, Dicky Boy. Yeah, Dick as Dicky Boy, <laughs> the homosexual yeah. Satanist. He's such a proto Cola Scola in this. Very, very much so. Yeah, like if if you very put Cola Scola in a Hammer film, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, which I'm here for. That is one hundred percent Dicky Boy. Yes, you are so yeah. right. Yeah. Um. You get Liam, aka Liam. I think his name was Liam Gallagher, aka Kelly Sullivan. Yeah, Liam Sullivan. Sullivan yeah, from Oh My God Shoes, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the internet video that created internet videos. <laughs> like, yeah, is plays Clarissa's little brother, um, who Brandt, who also has a <laughs> interesting moment with Dicky Boy. Yeah, <laughs> there's just it, and then and then on top of everything, you have fucking Adrian Barbeau. Yeah, like serving some. I don't know. Like it. it it's kind of funny to me watching this because it, it seems like it seems like so many movies now are doing the like rugged heroine returns. And comes back and fulfills her role, you know, as a survivor kind of thing. Like, you got the Halloween H4Os, you have the Terminator Dark Fate, you have, you know, all these things where they keep bringing back, like, the survivor woman. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, had that really happened before? Hmm. Like, up until, like, like there was Halloween H2O, 
in 98. Right. 98, yeah. Which was kind of, like, the first time, really, I think, that they, like, brought back, like, the kind of scarred slash, like, battle-hardened survivor. Right. Now it's... But I, like, this one, though, Christine is, like, just living her life. Like, she knows she's become the neighborhood weirdo urban legend. She knows all the stories about herself. Um, But she's, like, tough because she's tough. She's not tough as the result of the earlier trauma. This is just who she is. Unfortunately, she does have the stars and bars confederate flag i noticed the the instance of a confederate flag in her house (laughs) yeah that's unfortunate and i was like you know what it's clear she drinks (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think also in 2000 that was seen as like a symbol of rebellion yeah you know what i mean and not outright racism (laughs) not outright right we had racism wasn't a thing in 2000 you know how it was yeah it wasn't invented Um, yet wasn't invented yet so it's it's millennials that came up with that yeah yeah so uh yeah so that's unfortunate (laughs) (laughs) but like she's just she's prepared for the demons she knows how to deal with the demons but she's just a tough broad yeah and the the rumors of her like traumatization are vastly uh exaggerated (laughs) right like there's the the urban legend about how the nuns gave her like a they forced an abortion on her and all this stuff because she was pregnant in the convent and and it turns out like you know they went to have her baby so that they could sacrifice it to the devil but she killed them all and now her son works and he's an engineer in peoria or whatever (laughs) right yeah yeah like and she just sits in her house smokes in her motorcycle jacket at night (laughs) time I like that she just doesn't always wearing it. Yeah, there's also shades of Goody Ponder in her, um, in oh? that the neighborhood kids go outside her house <laughs> and she just turns her light on and off, and you see her silhouette in the window. <laughs> it is. It's it's a little uh, Grammy. It's a little, a little House little of Wax. Grammy, a little, little Goody Ponder. That animatronic yeah. Stacy opening and closing <laughs> curtains. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But, but I like this... that she's not. She's not like. You know, haggard, like, alcoholic, dealing with the th- her past and blah, blah, blah. No, she's sh- more like, Jesus Christ, again, I have to deal with these demons. Like, she's just so cool. Yeah, she's just a badass. And yeah. what's so funny is, like, I didn't realize, because I was thinking, like, oh, you know, this is the, f- in my memory, I was like, oh, this is maybe the first time. Because the it also has to be said, this is, the first hour of the movie is the sort of Night of the Demons storyline. Where they fall, like, Mo. The goth girl and all these kids go into the, they go into the convent, the demons get summoned, they all get killed. Literally in the last half hour of the movie, Clarissa goes to get Christine, aka Adrian Barbo. Right. I did not realize that Adrian Barbo does not come into this movie until an hour in. Yeah. And it's an hour and 20 minutes (laughs) of a movie. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and yet, what I remember more than anything is Adrian Barbeau being a badass, which I think is also a testament to this film's pacing and how it's uh, how it's structured and this character. Um, but they go and get her, and when 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 Christine is talking to Clarissa, and she's like, "Let me guess, you you summon the demons and blah blah blah," and she like talks about it. And it seems like she says every five years this happens. So she has gone back to that convent how many times in the last 40 years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and re-killed the Satanists every single time. That's true. Like, she has done this so many times that at this point she's like, she is done with it. 
Yeah. She washes her hands of it. She's just going to sit in her house and smoke in her motorcycle jacket until <laughs> she finds out that there's a virgin there, which is the problem. Because if you sacrifice a virgin, because like she says, Satanists have a thing for virgins. <laughs> yeah, they fucking love virgins. Goddamn demons. It's always something with a virgin. <laughs> Yeah, but when they sacrifice a virgin, it gives birth basically to the Antichrist. Yes. So that's what that's why they wanted to and like that's why they wanted to sacrifice her baby so long ago because a virgin is one thing, but like a baby is you know even better. Yeah, baby's blood, man, that's better than virgin blood. Yeah. Everyone so knows. I just love the idea that this has been going on for so long yeah. in the town. It just keeps happening this over, cycle. And over and yeah. over. And she's always there to kill. She's always ready to go in her motorcycle jacket. Right. She's got all the guns. She's ready. I love it. I love yeah, it. she has like she has like the survivalist um bunker, but it's based it's just a it's just a closet with a curtain over it where she keeps all of her yeah. assault rifles and shotguns. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. has her motorcycle that she keeps veiled that has her name as a vanity plate cuz she's that yeah. fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. And you were totally right a couple episodes ago because we we mentioned Adrian Barbo in the comment every episode of the show. A couple episodes ago you were I think it was maybe our Halloween episode you might have recommended it. And um, you were you were describing Christine as like sort of an extension of Wilma of Billy from Creepshow. Yeah. And you're so right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It definitely lets her tap into that sort of edgy, like tired of your shit. Yeah. She does so well. Yeah. Yeah. God. She's definitely she could be Billy's cousin. Yes. You know, or yeah. something. Billy's cousin Christine, who had a very different yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. But my God, it's just the whole thing is so much fun. I like I said, I was really worried about it going in that I was gonna be like, Well, I'll I know I'll love Adrian Barbeau. Duh. But the rest of it that I used to like so much, like how is that gonna hold up? But I just I don't know, even the characters I shouldn't like, I like. Everybody kind of has their moment to be funny. Man. Even even when some of the jokes are like, shouldn't work, they do because all the actors are really good at selling the bullshit. Like, like take for in- the character of Frijole. Right, yeah. <laughs> Who is the most annoying character. He's like that, he's just like that stoner pud, like, uh, tubular dude, like kind of uh, just shithead, like frat boy who drives the car. Yeah. He's so annoying. He always wants to hook up with the girls. Even he gets like that amazing sequence where he just eats mushrooms for no reason in the middle of the convent as the as the nuns are coming after them. And he yeah. just like <laughs> he just like trips out to Dreamweaver and sees shadow puppets and like floating CGI lace panties. <laughs> like it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's the moment that I really love and it speaks to the kind of really bizarre random moments that this movie has where you have Caitlin who's like the cheerleader kind of bitchy character yes and her boyfriend and Clarissa and they're all talking about the urban legend of the place that um that you know Christine was forced to have an abortion because it was like the priest's baby or whatever whatever and uh Caitlin says I bet they used a wire hanger (laughs) and Clarissa says gross Caitlin and then Caitlin's boyfriend says that's my girl. <laughs> it's like, and it's just this brief moment of like, it's just bizarre. And it just, 
this movie really makes me laugh. There was a really great moment between uh, just the 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 filmmaking. This movie is so low budget. Yes. So DIY. There's like, I think there was a scene. It's a scene where um, Clarissa and Christine go back to the comet and they're just shooting everything. And they're kind of in that hallway and they're back to back and they just keep switching spots. Mm-hmm. And like you believe that they're shooting these nuns because you see them shooting, and then the next shot you see nuns getting blown away. But anytime they cut back and they show them in the hallway, they're just in an empty hallway shooting at nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, plenty of the effect. I mean, that it's all practical effects, which I really appreciate. Um, Except there the are CGI c- panties. <laughs> Except for the CGI panties, that's true. Um, <laughs> But there are plenty of rubber heads and rubber limbs on display very blatantly. Like somebody gets hit in the head with a baseball bat and their head is supposed to like kind of fall off. And it's It's, clearly a a mannequin. It's like Like, a mask at best. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's But it's like it 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 doesn't take away from. Yeah, it doesn't take away from the movie at all. It works. And there's that fun. That's that like blacklight day glow aesthetic that this whole movie has. Everything glows. The blood. They're like red blood glows uh they they constantly have like the green eyes or like pulsating blue veins like everything is glowing in this movie it's that was a really smart choice because that i think really helped put these demons into their own category like they made it really unique yeah it stylizes it it makes it also makes it look like what could just look like cheap fake blood it just makes it something visually appealing um, mm-hmm. It also kind of works with this weird 2000, like, rave aesthetic. <laughs> like, yeah, once the music kicks in, it's like... Yeah, the movie is... And it's like... Yeah. And it does that, like, when I was saying earlier, it does that thing that all these movies do that I hate, where it's just like, jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. Everyone is, like, vibrating and shaking and moving really fast and, like, frantic, frenetic camera editing and, like... Everything that that like sounds like <laughs> yeah it's it does every sin from a two thousand movie that I hate so much but in this for some reason the the ingenuity of the filmmaking it just mm-hmm. because there is so much fun and passion behind just this they know it's a they know what this movie is right and it just they make it work. It somehow works despite everything about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, there's enough in there. It's like the dialogue is really clever at times. It's genuinely funny. And so things that I'm tired of at this point still seem fresh. A lot because of the aesthetics. A lot because, like, there's a weird chipmunk noise (laughs) at times. You know, like, it's. I love the Dayglow so much. Oh, I'm such a fan. I'm such a fan, especially the eyes. Like these, they're they're like silly demons, but they're also kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, which speaks to when I mentioned before that it's like a goofy movie, but there is some darkness. It's like this all starts. The Satanists are completely goofy. You know, it's like Saul, who's very much this kind of sin, but he like works at Dairy Queen. <laughs> he works at Dairy you know? Queen. <laughs> yeah, which is know? like high priestess finds out in the middle of a ritual, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have the, like, sexed-up high priestess, who also is the woman who wrote the movie. Yeah, I did not know that Safira wrote the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Dickie Boy, who's, like, the number two, who is... <laughs> Just some if you know who Cola, If you know who Cola Scola is, then you get the idea of yeah. Dickie Boy. 
super twinky, super like, oh my God, what are we doing now? You know, like just <laughs> that flavor of fag. Yep. Um, and they're like kind of inept with their whole ceremony. Like nobody knows what the real point is. And they seem like they're a joke and they've got Mo tied up because she's a virgin. Um, but then this all starts because they actually kill her. Yeah, they actually sacrifice her after the satanic priest says, girls on the left and boys on the right. Yeah. <laughs> and then they actually sacrifice her. Yeah, they actually sacrifice her. And it instantaneously, everything goes to shit. It's also, which I also appreciate. Story beats wise, uh, we think that Mo is the main character going into this film. Right. Like Mo the goth, the goth dyke for better lack of better description. Yeah. Yeah. You think she's the main character and then she immediately becomes the primary villain, like ultimately gets sacrificed and becomes the mother superior nun. Right. <laughs> like Yeah. Very much but Angela. Very much Angela. Um and there's just no wasted time. The knife goes in, she changes into a demon. Everyone begins to die. Everyone begins to die. God, I love the Satanists so much. Yeah. They are so really funny. Fun. They They're are so funny. So funny. That whole sequence. And Moe's even like, You guys, really? It's the 13th Coven? That's your name? <laughs> yeah. You work at Dairy yeah. Queen. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, they're a joke, but it's all, you know. Even when Safira's, like, about to sacrifice her, she goes, Rise, bitch, rise. And it stabs yeah. <laughs> I love that she wrote this movie. I, I am like, You are a queen. Yes. You're a babe, and you're a fucking yeah. queen, and you are funny as shit, Safira. Mm-hmm. Chayton, Chayton well, that's Anderson. the thing. Chaton. Ch- Ch- Chayton. <laughs> Chaton Anderson. Chaton yeah, Anderson. but like M- Mike, Mike, Mike Mendez, you know, who also deserves a shit ton of credit for this movie. Yeah, director. Who did a great job with it. But he's the one who, I mean, you never know the behind the scenes, what people want, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like the convent is seen as a Mike Mendez film. You know, he's the one who's gone on to do other things and became, like, the darling of that sort of after dark era. You know, the eight films to die for. Like, that's what I think of the bro horror era. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he went on to do some of those and et cetera, et cetera. And I like Mike Mendez a lot, but it's like, let's not forget the woman who wrote this either. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, I mean, she literally, and it was really refreshing. That's why I I freaked out. And my last note is, oh, my God, Safira wrote it all. Um, was seeing in the credits, it says, yeah, Shaton Anderson, story and screenplay by. And mm-hmm. looking at her IMDb right now, like, I mean, Mike Mendez went on to do, like, Big Ass Spider, and, like, his career kind of petered out. But, like, I mean, he's clearly very talented, and it was clearly a great collaboration. But Shaton, yeah, right. she wrote The Convent, and then she didn't have any other... I mean, despite this brilliant, hilarious screenplay, like, she is a... I mean... Outside just a horror writer, she is a killer comedy writer. And then mm-hmm. Punk's Undead was the last thing she she got has a writing credit from 2017. But then, Stacy, hmm. are you ready for this? Oh. Pre-production, The Devil's Convent. Oh. Written by Shatan Anderson, Anderson and starring Kelly Mantle as Sister Mary Kelly. And it's a prequel to The Convent. Oh, fuck. Shatan, we need you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. I'm so happy. Weren't we just saying we wanted a sequel to The Convent? <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy. And I love that Kelly Mantle's doing it. That is so funny. 
Wow. So, Shaton, good for you. I Good for you. Fucking unrecognized queen in horror, for real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's amazing. I love this movie. I watched the little, there's like a, it's like five minutes behind the scenes. Yeah, and the little featurette. Yeah, and it's very much of its time also, which is crazy. Like, it looks and sounds like shit, but it's just mostly talking heads of people in it. But the camera's constantly moving as they're being interviewed. Like, it's very of that, like, 120 minutes on MTV, like that kind of stuff. It's like, god damn. What a time it was. Yeah. Yeah, this is very much a throwback to, like, yeah, that MTV era, raver aesthetic, uh, let's, it, it's also one of the earlier, let's pay tribute to an 80s horror movie mm-hmm. films out there. Um, yeah, weirdly pioneering in some respects with this, like, final girl returns. Mm-hmm. I can only think of H2O doing that really beforehand. I mean, I guess T2 did that, but, like, it's yeah. very different. I feel like I've, I, I was shocked last night when i to realize that it was from 2000 like i know i had seen it around that era because a friend had recommended it to me but then i guess i didn't really get to talk about it beyond that until final girl and so i talked about it probably in like 2006 and i think in my mind i just associated it with that era yeah and so i was like 2000 goddamn, like and then in the behind the scenes, Mike Mendez was saying, he literally said, well, I hope if people are still talking, watching this in 20 years, dot, 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 blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. Yep. That's what we're doing on the show tomorrow. Like, this movie is 20 fucking years 20 old. years old. It's wild. And then I turned to dust and I blew away. <laughs> Stacy Saramond herself. <laughs> I really did. Like, I just, I mean, who cares? Like, you know, these kind of conversations. But I was like, oh, my God, the comment is 25. I think of Halloween as being 20 years old. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How is the convent 20 years old? It's almost old enough to drink legally. I remember when Star Wars turned 20. Yeah. Star Wars is like 80 now. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? We're all 80 now. We're all 80. Yeah, I was, I was, I, I, I just said on this show, I remembered seeing that Hail Satan image of the nun writing Hail Satan on the chalkboard. Mm-hmm. Which is such a funny moment in this movie. Yep. I remember seeing that on Arrow in the Head and Final Girl and being like, what is this? And that was 20, that was basically 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it was like 15, but like. It's, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <sighs> great movie. It's a great movie. Honestly, if you it's... haven't seen it and you want a delicious horror comedy. Man, you got to check it out. Got a great big convent. I mean, for you. once again, Demonic Nuns, Adrian Barbeau, Dayglow, uh, a scene... A scene where two women get in two different porta potties, and the camera cuts back and forth between each porta potty as they talk to each other. Yeah, <laughs> like the, it's incredible. There's that. There's the moment where um, they have the two virgins strapped to the gurney. All the demons are going to wheel them in and sacrifice these two virgins and oh raise their anti- antichrist. They're pushing them down a hallway. They get to a doorway, and the gurney doesn't fit. 
And it's like, it looks like a mistake almost, but they let the moment linger of all the demons like walking in place. Yeah. Just quietly <laughs> not being able to push this gurney through. Or like when Christine and Clarissa come back, they've got the motorcycle. They're going to bust into the chapel where the ceremony's taking place and take everybody down. The motorcycle bursts through the door and they fucking wipe out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they leave these little things in that probably would be edited out in most any other movie. But they leave them in and it just adds this really bizarre touch that I love so much. It just works and it adds so much charm. This is a this is a one we like a charmer on this show and this is one yes. hell of a charmer. Yeah. So Go check it out. If you have never seen it, you have a real... Tr- it's got a... It's deeply, deeply queer. It's oh, yeah. Also, it answers the question of gay sex would always be the answer. Right. Gay sex is always the answer. It could have saved a lot of people a lot of trouble. Yeah. When they're laying on those gurneys, uh, you know, and, and uh, Dickie Boy and Brandt, a.k.a. Kelly, oh my God, shoes, are going to be sacrificed because they're virgins. Right. <laughs> Dickie Boy leans over and just says... I think we should have sex. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And like there's it's kind of funny because then he gets a little fresh. Dickie boy gets a little fresh with Brant and it's supposed to be like, ha ha, gay panic. But it's also, you know, there's the gay panic read. But then there's also the um, no gay sex is always the answer. Like if you saw the lighthouse, (laughs) just had gay sex, everything would have been fine. It's, you know, I mean, here it's there's a good argument for it. They were no, going to be actually, sacrificed because they were virgins. If you're not virgins anymore. And that doesn't come up in satanic thrillers very often of like, oh, well, we could just have gay sex. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's the answer. It's always the answer. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. And it also, it has to be said, it flies. It by. really does. I, I mean, I didn't even realize I had spent an hour watching it before Adrian Barbeau showed up. Yeah. And then I only had 20 minutes left at that point. Mm-hmm. And it flies by. It feels like 20 minutes of a film. Yeah. And I, every time I sit down to watch any movie for Gaylords, it is a fucking chore. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you know, because I, I can't get, I can't do the, the, the weed juice because I have to write notes and pay attention. I'm so sorry. I, I have Listeners, to do you hear Stacey? how Anthony struggles for this meager content? I am working. This is emotional labor. Who's Venmoing me for getting up in the morning? Wow. Okay, okay millennial. <laughs> hmm. Well. But this movie, man, God, it's so good. Flies by, fucking perfect. Holds up. I still love it. So Come for Adrian, stay for Adrian. Right. And Coolio, and Bill Mosley, and Dickie Boy, and Liam, and Mo and Clarissa, and Caitlin. Ugh. Yeah. And goddamn Safira. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Love it, love it. Stacy. Huh? Do we have a last listener question of 2019? Oh my gosh. I know. It feels so fatalist, doesn't it? It really does. 2020 coming up. Uh, yeah, we do. We do. And this is this is a nice question that we got recently. Um, uh, okay. Well, anyway. Um, 
<laughs> As opposed to all those shitty yeah, questions we get. Finally, we got a nice question. Yeah. Um, this one comes from Morgan, who says, What are y'all's top five not horror? I see you both talking about Mamma Mia and midi-chlorians, <laughs> and I just want to know more about you two. So just tell us five things you love, toast, etc. <laughs> and I say, first of all, it's very nice that anyone wants to know anything more about the two of us. I know That's that uh, you've probably heard it all on this show. I'm, there's, I mean, there's nothing interesting left. Yeah, there's no secrets left. There's no secrets. Um, not the most interesting, but I appreciate the sentiment for sure. I also like sweet. that toast is so... Such an ongoing thing on this show. It's really, Toast is really, uh, I don't know, it's become a hallmark, I guess, of my existence. When you look at the Stacey Ponder slash Gaylord's Pinterest board, <laughs> it's Toast right there. It's Toast right there. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of interpreted this question. Well, part of it is just straightforward, obviously. <laughs> Top, top five not horror. So we instead of just doing our top five not horror films, we decided to do that. But then also just each talk about five things that we love. Isn't this a nice way to end the year? Getting to know us in front of our cozy autumnal, no, winter Christmassy fire. Our Yule fire. Yes. I got my Jubilee rolls. Thanks to all my... that Jubilee roll I ate. <laughs> I got my Judd album, my Judd's Christmas album on. Can I tell you that one year for Christmas, my mother, speaking of the Judds, <laughs> randomly, I think she just waited until the last minute to buy me anything. I was a teenager. Oh my God. What did she get you? She got me a box set of, of the Judds? Of Judd's albums. <laughs> And I have no idea why. I wasn't fucking into the Judds. I was a teenager. And I think she just waited until the last minute and grabbed the first thing at the record store. She panicked in the checkout line and just grabbed the Judds box. (laughs) Yeah, that someone probably had, like, abandoned with the candy bars or something. She just fucking grabbed the Judds box set. And I was like, thank you? Like... This is one of the weirdest <laughs> gifts I've ever received. Well, now that you're older, do you look back and realize that that was truly uh, the only gift you ever really deserved or needed? Sure. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I particularly enjoyed their rendition of working in a coal mine. <laughs> that is exactly what every 15-year-old punk wants to listen to. <laughs> it's the <judge>. <laughs> <laughs> The mystery of your mother just becomes more elusive. (laughs) I mean, now you see why there's such a mystery to me. How do I I exist? I don't know. Anyway. So there we go. Uh, What's your top five not horror? I bet we have some. I bet we have some overlap. Maybe. We've got to have some overlap. Maybe. All of mine are like from the 90s, basically. Um, This is really hard. Uh, Okay. My top five. And this is hard just because I, I, I've also realized, like, how many horror movies are, are my favorite thing ever. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I realized how much horror really dominates my my leanings and my, my, my understanding of my faves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say, you know, 
Everyone who knows me knows I always talk up Beetlejuice. I'm considering that horror for this, so this is not on the list. Um, although that is one of my all-time faves. Uh, but I'm going to go top five non-horror movies. Uh, I'm going to say Star Wars. I love Star Wars so very much. You just mean, like, in general? I couldn't pick one. Yeah. So, I I mean, typically I'd say Empire Strikes Back because I'm a cool nerd. Um, Isn't that everybody's answer? It has to be. But that's the problem, too, is it's everybody's answer. So then I just sound like, a, I just sound like an insult. So then you're like, so, I'm going to say Phantom Menace. So I'm going to say The Phantom Menace is my all-time favorite film. <laughs> no, I did make Jason watch Revenge of the Sith or parts of it the other day just to show him how bad it is. I always liked that one, I think, just because the other two in the they were terrible. so terrible. And at least that one has, like, people dying. Right. But it's really, I mean, the star of the show is Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. But he's like, yeah! <laughs> it's just, <laughs> as Yoda does gymnastics oh all around him. <laughs> but yeah, so old Star Wars, like, I love, I love the original trilogy. I love the new, um, I love the new trilogy. I like Rogue One. Uh, I don't care for the prequels or the solo movie. Um but I'm a I'm a deep Star Wars stan, so you know, put that there. There was a time I'd be right there with you. Like I cannot; it's impossible to overstate the importance the original trilogy had to me as a child. Yes, and throughout my entire life, really, you know, going to see them when they were re-released, etc., etc., etc. Like Star Wars was everything. It still was, I remember when they were talking about The Phantom Menace, and this was, it was a huge deal. I mean, to put it mildly, right? Yeah, oh, we were trying to explain, Maddie and I were trying to explain it to Jason. We were like, every, we all pretended we liked it when it first came out too, because we had no other choice. Yeah, the hype was crazy. It wasn't, we weren't super duper internet. The world wasn't super duper internet at that point, right? Yeah. Um, I remember when the trailer came out, I was in FAO Schwartz in New York. Oh my God. And they played the trailer and the music started and did a little tear fall down. Like so much, like so much, you know, fucking blue milk from Aunt Baru. Yes. Yeah. That was the first Star Wars movie in 20-something years Yeah, and it was like, oh my god. And like all of them, I went to the Midnight Show of Revenge of the Sith. Like, just like, yep. was so into it. And then I think the internet and everything else, like, I just got Star Wars fatigue. And I just, I haven't seen any of the new ones at all. Like, Revenge of the Sith was the last new movie. <laughs> that is so depressing. I'm so sorry. Like, it just, I think the fan culture, like, I'm so tired of fan culture. The fans, the fans make it very, very difficult. Yeah. And it just, it also went from, like, still almost, even though it was obviously a phenomenon, it was still, like, a special thing. And now it's just, our culture is so saturated with Star Wars. Yeah. That I yeah. just, I'm like, I have no interest anymore. Oh, man. I mean, I have the same issue with Marvel. Like, yeah. when I was a kid, I mean, Dark Phoenix Saga was like my soap opera as a child. Oh, God. You know? That was like earth shattering. Oh, my God. I was <laughs> weeping. Like, I fucking lived for X-Men and Spider-Man. Yeah. I, also was a Batman. I was also was a Batman kid. But, I mean, I was more of a Marvel girl because it was X-Men and Spider-Man. I fucking lived for it. 
and now I can't. I've seen like four of those movies, and I hate them all. <laughs> when the first, when the first Spider-Man movie came out, it was a phenomenon because it was like we haven't had a Marvel movie. Yeah, and the first X-Men movie, it was like, oh my god, yeah, everyone's been saying Picard would be perfect for Professor X, right? Like, and now it's just it's it's non. I think that it's also non-fucking stop. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm grateful that they made they put the brakes on the Star Wars franchise for now with the movies at least because yeah. they were like, you know, doing Kathleen Kennedy, who I do love, was like, let's do them every 2 years. And it's like that's just it's special to have a few. Right. It's not the Olympics. But, yeah. And let's be real, there is the Disneyness of it all. Yeah. Like Disney is evil. <laughs> it is destroying the world. Yeah. Um that said, did I break down in my weakness of my illness and get Disney Plus and start watching The Mandalorian? I did. <laughs> um, and that was a trying time for me. Was it? No. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, because there's a great show on there where they make they make people um, restage musicals that they did 30 years ago in high school. <laughs> and they have five days to restage them. So that has made it all worth it. And I've forgiven Disney. But, um, but yeah, the fan culture makes it so fucking difficult. Because, like, The Mandalorian, I, I even posted about this. Like, I, I noticed all these fans jumping onto the... When I went to go look up if some of the characters were coming back in later episodes, all the fans, immediately after one episode, all the fans are saying, this is how Star Wars needs to be. He find John Favreau saved Star Wars. Uh, this is... This is the actual vibe of Star Wars. This is this actually feels like Star Wars, unlike these new movies. And I realized, like, oh, they're just saying that because there's no women in the first episode. Yeah, it was it was women being allowed to exist in the fucking Star Wars. You know what it was like being a girl raised on Star Wars? You had Princess Leia, the fucking green Twi'lek from Jabba's palace. Her name is Ula. Ula. <laughs> and like what size noodles? Size noodles. There you go. There's your there's your role models. I mean, granted, you have Princess fucking Leia, but come on. It was like women did not exist in the galaxy. No. No. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's why I think that's, I think that's a huge reason why everyone hated Last Jedi was because, I mean, honestly, if you ask me, I, I Force Awakens is fine. Um, it really is just a reboot of the first three movies in the original trilogy, but, um... The Last Jedi is honestly my favorite next to Empire Strikes Back. Uh, and that's because Leia gets to do some really cool shit in it. And, like, I think people had an issue with Leia being cool and getting to use the Force. Like, it was it was too much for the shitty dudes. Like, they had Laura Dern is in charge of the military. Uh, they have an Asian woman. And they, like, bullied her off the internet. Like, the fandom fucking sucks for Star Wars. I think I'm tired of shitty straight men like just pummeling children's entertainment into the ground and acting as if it's the only form of entertainment that's worth anything but only if girls aren't allowed in it this is all children's entertainment do you think the original star wars trilogy was not stupid as fuck and aimed at children 
it it was always made to sell toys. That's why George was Lucas made to sell kept toys. the action. He kept the merchandising rights because this was all a toy scheme from the beginning. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not gonna go all Martin Scorsese and be like, there's no value, whatever, whatever. But the point is, these are comic book movies and children's films, and. Just, like, let people enjoy them or not enjoy them and let girls partake as well, you know? But you can't J.O. to it if, they're, if That's the true. girls get agency in it. That's true. I just, I just, I, I don't know. It all makes Lady Ghostbusters and Lady Jedis ruining it for all those incels. It's like, uh, and then I just want to turn to dust and blow away, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so they make it really hard to to enjoy it, but I I, I stand right. through you're, it because you're, I'm you're there. Yeah, I'm in so deep. I'm in so deep. I love Star Wars. So um, so that's one on my list. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tangent. It was well, a tangent. whatever. They wanted to know more about us. Welcome. Yeah. We're opening the curtain, baby, and we're totally got- nude underneath. Love it or We've leave got, it. We're so nude. We are covered in paper cuts, and we have <laughs> right. we have deep feelings about Star Wars. We uh, do because we have a fucking pulse. Exactly. Thank you very much. Um, what else is on my list? Non horror. Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Oh, this movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. I am the world's greatest Lisa Kudrow stan. She's my favorite actress next to Jennifer Tilly. Uh, anytime, anytime I hear I'll dance with you, Romy, which is what she said, what, Mich- uh, what Michelle says to Romy after the, um, the cute boy uh, pranks her at the prom and then she's left alone. And then they dance together to Cindy Lauper's time after time. <laughs> I weep hysterically. <laughs> when Jason and I got married, um, did you dress like Romeo and Maybe. Michelle? No, but we did. Our first dance was set to time after time, and we did their choreographed dance that they do with Sandy Frank, a gay Alan Cumming at the end. Um, so our, <laughs> our friend Katie played Alan Cumming, and then we did their exact dance from um, their reunion. Wow. <laughs> before, before they fly away in the helicopter. I love Romeo and Michelle huh. very much. Did I take a trip to Seattle to see the musical? Yeah, it was fine. Um <laughs> Another one on my list, Terminator 2. Mm. I've been talking up Terminator lately, and Terminator 2 is a root. Would Alien be on this list also? Yes. However, I consider Alien uh, and Aliens to be an Alien Resurrection. I'm not a big fan of the third one, but I like all the others. Um, I consider those to be horror sci-fi. So they are not on this list. But T2, I think, straddles horror, but is more just like cool effects and fucking Linda Hamilton. When I was a kid... Oh, my God. (laughs) When I was a kid, T2 and, I mean, Ellen Ripley and Sarah Connor were my fucking gods and still are. Yeah. Um, I will always, I mean, them, Princess Leia, and Laura Dern and everything she's ever been in are the reason I'm a feminist. Um, (laughs) I love T2. It's so fucking wicked. It's so cool. I'm a deep Terminator stan. Mm. Um, Just the first two films and and Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles with Lena Headey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the new Dark Fate I really liked. So that's a good one. Uh, What else is on my list? Um, This one is a little bit of a weirdo, but I just love this film so much. Also thinking, going back to Laura Dern, Citizen Ruth. Never never seen that. 
Oh my god! It's probably what we would call problematic, because it's, I mean, especially when women's reproductive rights are really under fire. Um, well, I mean, it have been for the last 40 years. Um, Citizen Ruth is where Laura Dern plays just, like, this crack addict. Like, she she's a huffer, and she's a homeless woman, and um, she gets pregnant, and then she gets put into court and the judge rules that she has to um either she has to abort the baby because she is endangering this child's life uh that she's pregnant with by doing all these drugs and basically it turns into the pro-lifers versus um pro-choicers just like each ones are trying to manipulate her to their own end Hmm. and i loved it because i grew up in like a very pro or anti-choice like family um or not family but my mom was super like anti-choice and like even volunteered at one of those places where they give the women the pregnancy test and they're like this is your baby at this old (laughs) and like yeah and citizen ruth just mercilessly takes all of that down and it's also one of laura dern's best performances um it's by alexander payne who you know did election and everything love election uh, it also features one of my very favorite lines of all time, a.k.a. Laura Dern hanging outside of a car window screaming, Suck the shit out of my ass, you fucker! <laughs> I love Citizen Ruth. Um, and then my fifth movie, this is kind of a toss-up. I'm gonna say it's a toss-up between, like, eight other films. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't choose between High Anxiety. Oh. Because Madeline Kahn is my goddamn queen. Yeah. Uh, Paper Moon, because Madeline Kahn is my goddamn queen, Ooh. and I love Tatum O'Neill. And Ryan O'Neill, despite being, like, a dirtbag, was really hot. Um, also Mars Attacks. Fucking love that movie. Uh, Titus Andronicus. And then the, um, the, like, Christopher Guest, you know, Best in Show, uh, Waiting yeah. for Guffman, Mighty Wind trilogy. I couldn't decide between all of those, and maybe Jurassic Park is, like, what is my fifth? But it's somewhere in all of those films. Hmm, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, that all so makes that's my, sense. That's my top five non-horror. Now you may know a little bit more about me. I do. Do I? I feel like I knew most of that. I think you did. Yeah. Huh. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> How about you? Um. All right. Well, sure. Five non-horror. I'm probably forgetting so many things. You know? Oh, I mean, all this to say is like all of our favorite stuff has been left off these lists. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> these are the favorites I could remember, probably. Yeah. Um. Number one, obviously, is Carol. Oh. Like, I, I mean, I'm not a big romance movie kind of lady, especially lesbian romance. My God. Are there good ones? I think there's The Handmaiden, as far as I'm concerned. There's The Handmaiden. Oh, yeah, I need to see that. There's Carol. I really want to see Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, lesbians eat this shit up, and I'm like, my God, these movies are terrible. Like, uh, gay dudes, the same thing. They're all bad. The standards are so low, and I've hated all of them. Um, and then along comes Carol, this perfect film that looks so good. Um, I mean, what a movie. She is lush. She is a lush fucking movie. And I saw it, unfortunately, with my mother. 
Because when I was home for Christmas, it wasn't playing around here where I live. I went home for Christmas and it was playing and I was like, I need to see this movie. And if you want to come with me, that's fine. And so we sit down. And first of all, this was my mother's first <laughs> lesbian movie experience. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't care. Like, whatever. But we sit down in the theater and my mother looks over her left shoulder. And she looks over her right shoulder. Like, she's noticing things about the audience, right? And she leans over and she says, Are people going to think that we're a couple? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well... Okay, so, you know, so we watch the movie, have a transcendent experience. I get into the car and I burst into tears over this movie. Like, I just, it's hard to convey, especially to straight people. But just like, this is the first time in my life I've gotten something like this movie. I think even to convey it to gay people. Even to gay people. Because that's the thing is like, when, when we talk about, you know, how there's no good gay movies, like... There's still, you know, we still have, like, the Call Me By Your Name and the God's Own Country and the Morris and the way he looks. And there's some standouts over the past, you know, 30 years. Lesbian movies? There's nothing. There's, like, nothing. There's And for, like, an A-list film, too. Right. That's the thing. It's, like, for an A-list film. There have been A-list films about gay men that have been nominated for Oscars, etc., etc., not that I many, wonder, but, you I know. I wonder what the difference is. Why? There's some Who difference knows? that I can't put my I finger on. I don't know if it's structural misogyny or not. Could <laughs> be. Could be. Um, yeah, so Carol was just the, the movie I had literally been waiting for my entire fucking life. Oh, I love that. Yeah. and I Did just... anyone thank you and your mom were a couple? <laughs> no, but we went in the bathroom afterwards, and two women... <laughs> in there clearly did not know what they were going to see and they did not like it oh really yeah they also didn't like suffragetti that they had seen the week before oh yeah suffragetti suffragette yeah they didn't suffragetti suffragetti they didn't like that one either that goddamn merle strip yeah (laughs) yeah so yeah so. Wow. They just thought, they thought Rooney Mara was just going to help her get her groove back. Mm-hmm. It was a buddy road movie. Yeah. And so on the way home from Connecticut back to Maine, I stopped in Boston to see a friend and I was like, we're going to go see Carol. <laughs> I, just yes. saw it. I just saw it yesterday, but we're going to go again. So he and I went to see it and sitting in the row behind us was like five, they looked like sorority girls or like young college students. And before the movie started, one of them leaned over to their friend and was like, so what is this movie about? Like, they, she obviously didn't, had no idea. And we were like, oh, no, what? Like, they're going to hate this movie, whatever, whatever. And then when it was over and the credits were rolling, one of them, one of them said to all of her friends, thank you all so much for coming to see this with me. Oh! And I was like, oh, my God, you're like the lesbian freshman. <laughs> and her gal pals went and her gal pals her. went with her oh <sighs> this is the feminism i want yeah <laughs> it was so nice 
I love that. I actually like teared up. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It was so beautiful. And then it finally showed here in Portland, and I went to see it three more times. Well, and you know, Stacy, the day you get in here, it's showing in I Portland. Know. <laughs> I know. Literally starts an hour before we're going to see the Beyond with fucking Fabio Frizzi, like uh. in person doing the live score. How can I do both at the same time? Is this God testing us? (laughs) Where it's like your trip starts with us having to choose behind between the beyond with a live score or fucking Carol. I mean, (laughs) how goddamn rude is that? I still love it. I still love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So that- I'll say it, we could still go and watch the first 30 minutes and then just w- we could. be unresolved and then go yeah. enjoy enjoy uh, Italian yodeling. I mean, it starts near the end, right? Yeah, exactly. Kind of. So there you go. So there you go. All right. So that's like the only romance movie I really even like. It's not my thing, usually. Anyway. Do I like those? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, number two on my list is a little movie called Fargo. Oh, yeah, it's good. I love Fargo. I think Marge Gunderson is one of the greatest characters in all of cinema history. It's amazing. I fucking love Fargo. It makes me laugh. It makes me get teary-eyed. Um, it's perfect. Yeah. It's my favorite Coen Brothers movie. I do like the Coen Brothers a lot. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. I haven't seen any of, like, their new stuff, but... Yeah, I haven't seen the last few, but their early man, Raising Arizona. Oh, God. I love that movie. That most might of, be their best. This is the... The weird thing is, like, most of my list is comedies, which is interesting, because I'm a tough sell on the comedies. Yeah, we, we all know Goody Ponder hates laughter. She does. She's lesbians. lesbian. <laughs> How many lesbians does it take to screw in a light bulb? One, and there's nothing funny about it. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Maxine from Hallmark. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but my list is like almost all comedies. It's really weird. Uh, number three, Harold and Maude. Oh, 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 Ruth motherfucking Gordon. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's so good. It's got, I love, you know, it's got that sort of, I don't know, when I was like young and not quite as disillusioned. It's got such a nice message about life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We used to watch that in high school all the time. Yeah. And and then we'd listen to Cat Stevens afterwards and cry. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's, I still get sad when Maude dies. It's so sad. It's so sad. I never see it coming. Yeah. I always forget. Love Harold and Mud. Uh, number four, Female Trouble. John Waters. I, it's my favorite John Waters movie. It makes me laugh so much still. I just think it's, it's like, it's wrong without being too wrong. Like, there's a lot in, say, oh, I don't know, Pink Flamingos that I just can't fucking take. Like I have, yeah. I have my limits, John Waters, um, and watching Divine eat dog shit is clearly one of them. <laughs> female <laughs> um, trouble is a blessed picture. Female trouble is so good, and I can't believe that fucking Criterion re- released it, and it just, 
is so perfect. It makes me laugh so much. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, female trouble. And then my last, like, tied for a million movies for the last spot. Waiting for Guffman. Yeah. I love Waiting. That's my favorite Christopher Guest movie. It's just it's, so good. It's so good. Catherine O'Hara, man. <laughs> my favorite part, though, is... Parker Posey when she's fanning that chicken wing, the one yeah. chicken wing. She's like, <laughs> yeah. I'll always have a place at the DQ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. There's a Catherine there's a moment that speaks to Catherine O'Hara's brilliance in so many ways. And that is obviously the Chinese restaurant dinner scene where she's completely yes. drunk. Yes. But it's not only is it like the best drunk acting I've ever seen in my life. Ever. Ever, but she kind of starts an improv, like it's all improv, and she starts a thread about her husband, played by Fred Willard, needing to get a penis enlargement. That's clearly where she's going with it. And he changes it so that he had to get a penis reduction. And just watching her pivot, like it's if you just want to get into acting nerd shit, like watching her pivot when he's taken it somewhere that she wasn't intending is just it's an incredible piece of improv acting. She's a genius. She is. uh, I said Lisa and Jennifer were my favorite actresses, but man. Yeah. Catherine O'Hara might be the greatest actress of all time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love her so much. Yeah, she's everything. Um, so yeah, waiting for Guffman. Airplane. Airplane. <laughs> is such a root movie for me. Excuse me, stewardess. <laughs> I speak Jive. Jive. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a root movie. I have seen that movie so many times. Oh, 800 times at least. At least. It's so good. It's so funny. It still yeah. holds up. It's so... I just fucking love Airplane. Honestly, uh, that and Female Trouble should both be on my list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I also love The Road Warrior. Oh. That's, <laughs> like, such another, like, root movie for me. Yeah. I that love one, that movie. That almost went on. Yeah. I love that one. I love Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Mmm, Tura bitch! Tura It's such a fun movie. Such a good time. Um, and I guess that's it. Mostly comedy. It's a good list. I love all of movies. It's a really good list. I 100% agree with all of your favorites. Thank you. They're so good. They're so good. I love to laugh. (laughs) She said sternly. She said, yeah, she said sternly. She crossed her arms. (laughs) And walked away. And walked away. Wow, there you go. So five things we love. Five things we love. There will be no surprises on here for people for me. There could be for me, but not really. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but if you don't if you don't know who the gay lords are after all this, then we are unknowable. Yeah. And and I'm sure we've had hints of all of these things in every Absolutely. episode. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, my list of people are going to be like, yeah, we know. We know. I think, yeah, you know. these things just inform who we are. So right. to such a degree that it, it honestly, they should just be, all be getting royalties for everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Man, I, so I said female trouble should be on my list. I mean, top of five things I love, John Waters and the Dreamland Players. I put mm. that there because I couldn't, I, I mean, Star Wars, I can be like, well, just the whole saga, but I can't pick a dream. Like, because Pink Flamingos was my route for John Waters, but oh, also wow. it's that thing of like, I mean, there's the chicken and the there's chicken. the butthole and there's the poop <laughs> and there's it's the a lot. egg lady. It's so much, but but I'll never forget going to the borders and finding the one I had. I I couldn't rent it anywhere in Salem where I grew up. I remember finding one copy at Borders that I think I had to special order, and getting my friends and us all watching Pink Flamingos, and we're like, we're gonna do it. We've heard so much about it, and just screaming. <laughs> like I had seen Pecker before, I think, and I I think oh. I'd maybe seen a, a, a some of the more later ones. Bef- like I'd seen Hairspray, I think, but pink flamingos man it's like oh and then you know i really also love desperate living i love female trouble i love Polly. i mean they're all perfect um mm-hmm. all the way to like a dirty shame i think might even be one of his best but most least recognized um so fucking love john waters love the dreamland players mm-hmm. um love their whole story all of them are fucking queens all all of the ones that we've lost r.i.p your heroes rest in power um, there's also a great movie called Divine Trash, mm-hmm. which is an Im- incredible documentary just about them, about all the movies they were making, about their lives. I would love, a dream of mine would be to like make a movie about them making yeah. a movie. Uh, but like, who, how would you even begin to cast that? <laughs> like, no kidding. There's never going to be another Mink Stole. There's never going to be another Divine. There's never going to be another fucking Cookie fucking Mueller. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, how do you, how do you even begin? Um, what else do I love here? I have uh, Absurdist Theater, particularly the works of like Christopher Durang, hmm. uh, who doesn't consider himself an absurdist, but he is uh, my favorite playwright, influences all of my writing. Um he was responsible for another movie I love called, uh, well, it was a play first, but Sister Mary Ignatius Explains It All for You, mm-hmm. which was adapted to the TV Showtime movie Sister Mary Explains It All for You, starring Diane Keaton, who does an incredible job in the movie. Uh, also stars Jennifer Tilly. It's a hilarious, demented film. I think it's going off of Amazon Prime, so watch it while you can. Um, and they also stopped all DVD sales, so try to find and watch it while you can. It's a Christmas movie. It's super fucked up. There's a gun involved in a death set nativity scene. Um, really funny. Uh, what else? Amy Sedaris. Oh. I had to say just Amy Sedaris' blanket statement, because Strangers with Candy might be my fa- all-time favorite show, or one of them. Hmm. But... Man, anything she does, like, all the way down to her new show, At Home with Amy Sedaris. Yeah. It's just, this woman gets me. She is the closest thing to a drag mom I will ever have. (laughs) I love that she just does her thing. She is so she doesn't try fucking to, weird. Like, she can do guest... <laughs> she does guest spots on shows and stuff like that. That's fine. But even those are still always weird. But she doesn't try to fit into any boxes like she just does her thing and you are either on board with her or you are not yeah and that's it you're just kidding amy sedaris yes it is god it is and i thought about it I'm like she's a brilliant actor but would she ever like when she was nominated for an emmy or something for i think her series 
Like, she plays, like, five different roles on her show that she has right. now. Yeah. But I'm like, would any of – any do people consider this acting? Because it's, like – she's, like, clowning. It's, like, comedic clown. But she mm-hmm. is creating fully fleshed-out characters as yeah. all of – God, she's just brilliant. Jerry Blank is the voice of a generation. <laughs> I owe everything I do to Jerry Blake. Um, yeah. I love Amy Sedaris so much. Um, in the musical front, I mean, Ooh. I kind of have a split answer. My two favorite musicians, Madonna and Susie and the Banshees. <laughs> mm. I have kind of a Persephone above ground and Persephone below ground vibe. Half the year I'm peppy and I like <laughs> listening to Madonna. Half the year I'm like gothy and I like listening to Susie and the Banshees. Uh, deep fan, deep fan. Um, and then last on my list of things I love, this might actually, next to Strangers with Candy, this very well probably is my all-time favorite TV show. I do believe it is the greatest instance of acting I've ever seen in terms of really embodying a character, and that's The Comeback, starring Lisa Kudrow. Yeah. Valerie Cherish. Amazing. Heart-wrenching. Yeah hilarious yeah uh so it nothing nothing about the comeback should work it's such a bizarre it started as such a a fascinating experiment it came back 10 years later and bloom i mean it already blew me away with the first season but that last season i can't i no one could have anticipated that second season would be what it was i have never Literally, I was watching it on my computer the last, like, I think the last two episodes in particular ripped my heart out of my body and then ripped my soul out of my body. I was lurching over my coffee table, holding onto my computer with my face just like five inches away from the screen, just streaming tears down my face. (laughs) (laughs) It is, I really, really, really think that specific her just embodying that character in that specific role is one of the best instances of acting i've ever seen yeah valerie cherish is a legend (laughs) (laughs) it is such a good show yeah please watch it everybody Hmm. so interesting list i didn't think of any people like you did yeah yeah, I, I I gravitate towards personalities. Uh, I see. Yeah. I see that now. Do you see that, Stacey Potter? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Because, you know, I like an artist. I like people that make realities for themselves and make work around that. And I like watching them and obsessing and then figuring out how to do that myself. I see. Yeah. Huh. Not how I approached it at all. This is toast, 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 and toast. It's to- yeah, it's toast five times. Well, I mean, they're separate if you want to be like, I love wheat toast, I love white toast. Oh. I love a multigrain. Oh. Keep that rye away from me. Yeah. But- yeah, I go back and forth. <laughs> toast five times, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say toast at all, actually. Wow. What did you say? Um, well, I said, first of all, no, like the, the very few surprises on here, I am sure. So I apologize for that in advance. But number one, I love 80s nighttime soap operas. Oh. I 
love them. I love the idea of glamour that they have. Um, I love how crazy they are. I love that so many of them were sort of the straight answer to Grand Dame Guignol. You had like... <laughs> so we're talking like Dynasty and like... We're talking Dynasty. We're talking Dallas. We're talking Knott's Landing. Give me Falcon Crest or give me death. Give me <laughs> Arthur Haley's Hotel. I love the Colbys spinoff from Dynasty. But it's like also they would always, not always, but usually they would have like a venerable actress of yesteryear as like the matriarch. You yes. know? So Knott's Landing had Julie motherfucking Harris and the Colbys had Barbara Stanwyck. And Dallas had Barbara Belgetti's, you know, not to mention mm. Joan Collins on Dynasty. And I uh. just, I love how ludicrous they are. Um, I just really love them a lot. Oh, and yeah. I want, I mean, I did have the Dallas blog for a while, but then that fell off. So I guess I should shut up. But I feel like there's something for me to do with this love. And I don't know what that is exactly. You had a Dallas blog? I did. And let me tell you something. People really liked it. The two people who read it really liked it. <laughs> Joan Collins and you. <laughs> yeah. yeah Stacy and Blasey really loved it. <laughs> but because I wasn't writing it for anybody, it's like writing for Final Girl has become tied into professional writing. Yes. You know what I mean? And so that's a whole thing. But the Dallas blog was like me being my most free as a writer i think oh i feel that and it actually i should pick it back up again because like every week it was weekly and then every week i just did like an episode recap because that's um, just something you're passionate about there's no expectations and it's you there were no expectations you love, right yeah yeah but i still get I, I haven't got at this point time flies you know in the trump era time flies and so it's been a couple probably a couple of years since i last posted but i still get emails about it like will you please start doing it again oh my god bring it back bring yeah, it back I, and i want to really get absorbed should. i really I need to watch dallas now yeah you don't even have because it's such an extensive recap like if you've never seen it like you won't miss anything because it is just like every week is one episode a full recap it's it's just so much fun Wait, it was Dallas or Dynasty? Dallas. Dallas, yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. I love Dynasty, too, though. I love Knott's Landing. Might be my favorite, but whatever. I didn't know Julie Harris was on that. Yeah, she was, man. God and so was it. Donna Mills, Joan Van Ark, Nicolette Sheridan. Tell ya. Knott's bring, Landing. Uh, Stacy, bring all your box sets. Yeah, Knott's Landing <laughs> is a spinoff of Dallas, actually. As you all know, Gary Ewing was like the black sheep son on Dallas, but Knott's Landing followed his life out in California. Anyway. <laughs> ah, number two. <laughs> number two. Uh, these are kind of tied together. I guess I'll say them at once. I love a road trip. Slash, I love our national parks system. Let me tell you, I will go on a road trip at any time to anywhere. If, what? If you what? What's funny about no, that? Like, it just sounds like this is the 
the paid ad. Like, this is, are you getting money from Big Park now? <laughs> yeah. Now that they're drilling, there's a lot of money <laughs> oh, yeah. in the park system. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I will take a road trip anywhere for any stupid re- If you were like, I have roped so many people into ridiculous road trips of like, hey, guys, you know what's only five hours away? You know what's only two days away is like a ball of lint that someone dropped. <laughs> in. Like, I'm fucking there. I will do all the driving. I don't care. I love it. There is so much to see that you can access in just a car. And I want to see it all. I love this about you. Yeah, I will go anywhere. And it's sometimes it's hard. I have a couple of friends who are very much, they don't uh, pick out the things, but they'll go along with me, you know. But then some other people are like, if it's more than half an hour in the car, I want to kill myself. So I just yeah, don't get it. That's I me. Don't, like, <laughs> I will drive eight hours to see the grave of someone who was supposed to be a witch. And then you go and you look at it and you're like, well, that's a gravestone. And then you go home. That's fine. That's fine. And I love our. I love the national parks. I think that is one of our greatest. I don't know if you want to call it an achievement, but I think it's one of our greatest features. Let's say they are a treasure and they should be cherished and they deserve way better than they're getting. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it's disgusting what's happening. Yeah. What are some of your favorite road trip conquests? Um, let's see. When I lived in Ohio and I was uh, exhibiting at a comic book convention, push up my glasses, uh, I was I had a table at a comic convention in Texas. And I said, let's drive. And so a friend of mine went with me and we drove down. And on the way back, I said, you know, if we drive east for like a day, we can get to the spot where Bonnie and Clyde were gunned down. Oh, and so we did that and it was like we got there in the middle of the night and it was pitch black and couldn't see anything and we didn't know where we were it's so far off of any beaten path and we were terrified because it was so dark and it's like in Louisiana or some shit and so I was like there's probably alligators I thought there were <laughs> alligators everywhere and so yeah we didn't spend too much time there but we went it's just a rock on a patch of dirt <laughs> it's just a rock <laughs> But we went. We did that. Um, I did a big, huge road trip, like a 10-day road trip through the American Southwest with an ex. We were not exes at the time, but my girlfriend at the time, and I did it. And we went to, like, 17 national parks. Man. just, yeah, we put, like, thousands of miles on the car. Man. Yeah. I just want to point out this from the same the same person who, <laughs> when planning a trip to Oregon, yeah. I said I said now Stacy, think about what you want to do because we've got we've got you know every climate here where it's just like an hour away from the ocean or from the mountains or from the forest or from the desert. We have it all here, so think about what you want to do. And literally the next week gets back to me and says, "I want to go to laser tag." <laughs> Well, that's true. But this is different. This feels like a visit. I mean, if if I got there and you were like, you know, if we drive for eight hours, the Bonnie and Clyde thing. But this is like me visiting you in that's your true. environs. So that feels different. And I'm if like, I, Stacey, we're just a days away from a ball of twine. 
fine. Right. But if I lived there and I saw on a website or in a magazine or whatever that the ball of twine was a day away, I'd be like, dip, boop, 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 on yeah. the phone. And I'd be like, Anthony, do you want to go see the ball of twine? So maybe I'll just have to be like, you know, Stacy, we're just two hours away from the town that burned down three times after the witch cursed it when she was hanged. I am so there. I did go see a witch grave here in Maine, like, last year. Ooh. It was supposed to be a witch grave. So we drove to see that. But that was here in Maine. But I literally will go anywhere at any time. There's so much to see and do. I love it. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So there you go. I think more people need that attitude. Well done. I think so. Thank you. Um, (laughs) uh, well, I really love, this is kind of hard to quantify, I guess, but you'll know what I mean. Maybe I love grandma culture. Oh, right there with you. Obviously. I I know what you mean. Yeah. I have a lot of feelings tied up from when I was a kid. I'm an only child. Um, for much of my life, I didn't even have any cousins. Just me. And so when we would go to visit my grandmother, I would have to entertain myself because I was not the center of everyone's world. Mm-hmm. While grandmother and mother are talking, I had to go find something to do. And when I was too old to go play outside, what am I going to do except obsessively read the Lillian Vernon catalog from cover to cover? <laughs> So I just have so much love of, like, the Lillian Vernon catalog and Parade magazine. You know what I mean? (laughs) And finally, uh, is this finally? Sure, whatever. Who cares? I don't know what number this is. Um, I really love video games. Yes. You and I talk about video games a lot. We did an episode and we talk about them off the air also. I love video games. I don't care who knows it. I love video games. Fuck you. Video games. <laughs> <laughs> video games are lit. They're, you know, people who don't play them, I get it. You know, video games isn't a genre. That's the thing. They're in a, they can be, I mean, I mean, I think we both come from a lifelong gamer person. I like, a video games should be on my list too. Um, yeah. I, I kind of had an exodus this year where I didn't really get to play games. And that's why we started our episode today before we started recording, which is me talking, telling Stacy, you know, all the games I've been playing now that I've had a break the last like two weeks. Yeah. Um, and... Like, yeah, I think we both come from a lifelong gamer place of, like, you yes. know, I, I started out with Nintendo and then um, Super Nintendo. And then it's just, you know, I've played every single console ever since. Um, but now it's like we're in this place where it's like these are some of the best stories coming out. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I think you and I have talked about how much. how I mean, we could do a whole fucking podcast about The Last of Us. Like, mm-hmm. There's yeah. so many amazing experiences out there that are not seen other places. Right. You get characters that you don't get to see, like character types that you don't get to see in other kinds of media always. And like, and we both, you know, were, we were, I mean, were, <laughs> operative term, Bioware nerds back in the day. Um, and it's like, that's uh, stories you don't get to see. Like, I got to play gay characters. Right. Yeah. Like, it got to fag out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could fag out a lot. I kind of don't play games where I can't fag out at this point. Yeah. Yeah, because why would you when there's so many games where you can fag out? Right. Yeah. But they're not. That's the thing is video games is not a genre. 
Um, there are story-driven games. There are games where it's nothing but story, where you don't have, there's no combat. There's no nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's games that are nothing but that. There are puzzle games. There are all the genres that you find in film. There are dramas. There's sci-fi, horror, westerns, like everything. Yep. Um, and so I just, I don't know. I really, I, I just love video games. So I think that's it. I think those are the things that I love. What a well-rounded person you are. Oh, well, so are you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope yeah. you feel a little bit. I feel. I hope you all feel like you got to know us a little better today. Right. Before we leave you for the holidays. <laughs> to right, be left, well. left alone with your families. So if you've got a question for us, you can send it on the social medias. Gay Lords of Darkness, that's where you'll find us on Instagram and Facebook. Twitter, we're Gay Lords of D. Email, Gay Lords of, uh, what are we? Oh, yeah, Gay Lords at GayLordsOfDarkness.com. <laughs> Please send us listener questions. That's all we want for holiday. Yeah, is it? Okay. Well, um, that's not all I guess I'll find out when I make my Christmas wish on Christmas on Christmas Day. Morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all y'all. Uh, well, I guess this is goodbye. Yeah, keep stay tuned. We'll still be present on the socials. We just won't be dropping new episodes for a month. Um, and stay tuned for that new website. Stay tuned for our live episode audio, which will be coming out soon. And um, I don't know what Stacey said. Fuck you. Fuck you. Happy 2019. And thank you for listening to us. Thank you. Thank you for another great uh, full year of Gaylords here. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Well, bye. Bye. Wow. For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god. god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.